0: we saw that, I mean, a ton of the often low income single moms who we were working with, they wanted to start a career out in healthcare. They loved helping people. They loved being able to invest in their communities and care for people. But what was stopping them was just getting the license itself. It's, I mean, you know, you can start and get your CNA license for as low as like $800, but for people who are living paycheck to paycheck, that can be really expensive.
1: Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day.
0: I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Shmuel Septimus.
1: Today, we're going to talk about CNAs, a hot topic, uh, anyone who's involved in nursing homes. Today's guest, we have Athena Khan. A- Athena, I think I said that right, um, is the CEO of DreamBound, the number one platform for students to find and register for a CNA and other training programs. DreamBound works with customers like Brookdale and Good Samaritan, set of sponsorship programs, and hire workers straight out of school. All right, we'll hear more about that later. Athena, welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast.
0: Thank you. Excited to be on.
1: Yes, excited to have you here as well. So, for our listeners, they've heard about me before, they have not heard from you before. So, give us the brief background of who you are and how you got to doing what you're doing.
0: Yeah. So, I started my career out at Johns Hopkins doing research. I was looking at minority health and health disparities and saw I mean, it's pretty much obvious now, but you can see that people who are low income, who are people of color, are i mean set up pretty much for uh, so many disadvantages later down the road you see maternal education is the biggest predictor for a child's health and so it became really really important to me to be able to help people achieve greater education and greater income so that can impact them and their children's outcomes and health outcomes and financial outcomes for um, the, the foreseeable future And just talking to a lot of the different patients and residents that we worked with at Johns Hopkins, we saw that, I mean, a ton of the often low income single moms who we were working with, they wanted to start a career out in healthcare. They loved helping people. They loved being able to invest in their communities and care for people. But what was stopping them was just getting the license itself it's, I mean, you know, you can start and get your CNA license for as low as like $800. But for people who are living paycheck to paycheck, that can be really expensive. And at the same time, you have nursing homes who are paying, you know, $3,000 signing bonuses. And so I was thinking, you know, where is this disconnect coming from? And so I wanted to make it really easy for someone to sign up for school if they could afford it. And if they can't afford it, we match them with an employer who can help them pay to go through training.
1: Interesting. Very, very interesting. <clears throat> First of all, you made the connection income to outcome, which is interesting, you know, but your income can can and will affect the outcome of, of where you're going to end up. But um, on top of that, uh, where were you working with these students where where they wanted they expressed interest to become a CNA, but they had this problem? What was that setting? I missed that.
0: I mean, in this specific case, it was out at community health clinics, just talking to a lot of the patients that were part of the studies that I was looking at. But I mean, working through Dreambound, we encounter people everywhere, people in communities who are you know going to church people who have graduated high school and are now working as a home health care aide or a caregiver or maybe they're working at amazon or retail warehousing any number of these other roles and they they want to be in healthcare. care but what's stopping them is the upfront cost of going to school and um you know we wanted to make that easier for them to solve
1: okay so so um the second part of the equation I'm very familiar with and deal with all the time, the fact that there are employers who are willing and they'll do anything, uh, you know, like you said, they'll, they'll give uh, and sometimes insane sign-on bonuses and all sorts of perks and pay, uh, you know, pay the wages that are necessary in order to get CNAs on board, not just CNAs, but CNAs is definitely a big piece of it. Um, that's certainly true. And that's that I see every day the other half that there are these potential CNAs. These are not yet soon to be healthcare givers, but they're not yet healthcare givers. Um, they're interested and they want to, and they're very excited to get into healthcare. They have this barrier of the, of the training, which is getting in the way. And more specifically, the barrier is paying for that training, which the providers, you're hundred percent right, the providers would be, uh, would be really glad. Um, your provider provides would be really glad to, um, yeah, to pay for that training. Um, so let me let me ask a question this way. We've seen since COVID um, that a lot of people who are CNAs and they are licensed are leaving healthcare. They're going into they're going to the Amazons and they're going to the local restaurants and they're going to the place where they don't have a lot of the stresses um, that direct line uh, caregivers have. These people who are coming into your network, into coming through your company are really old. Um, are they not aware of the challenges? Do they not care? Um, and I'll, I'll even you know make it that it's not, it's not even you know, related to COVID. Even before that, as an administrator, as I always used to wonder why people become you know, CNAs. It's a very, very difficult job. It's very physically labor intensive. The people that you're caring for in a nursing home setting, many times are unable to express their appreciation. Mm -hmm. Many times they don't appreciate what you're doing. You can get yelled at, you can get beaten up. I'm not here to discourage anyone. And if you mess up, if you do something, you can kill people, like it's it's pretty serious. Mm -hmm. As opposed to working in Amazon, it might not be as fulfilling maybe, but you can get paid the same amount or more um, you're not mandated for overtime. You don't have all the, the risks involved. So that's really why I find it interesting. Um, it's encouraging. But I'm also trying to understand that the people who you encounter, there are like, oh, if only I could become a CNA. Um, are they aware of all this?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And you're right. It is surprising, especially as you see Amazon is increasing their wages. You see Target, Walmart all doing the same thing. And you look at CNA and sometimes it pays a lot less. And sure, yeah, there's all these like travel CNA roles that can pay a lot more potentially. But yeah, it, it is a a question that a lot of I mean, especially like nursing home, um, recruiters are thinking about like, how do I compete and position myself against not just other nursing homes, but also against Amazon and Walmart and Target. Um, But I mean, we talk to hundreds or thousands of of CNAs who are about to start training and ask them why they want to do this, especially as they are about to get sponsored by an employer. And that employer wants to make sure that that you know, CNA is actually going to stick around. And I mean, we see the people who are excited about enrolling in a class, they want to do it for a couple of reasons. I mean, the, the most important that we see is that none of them want to stop at being a CNA. They don't want to just get a CNA and then stick to being a CNA for 30 years. They want to level up and be like a medication aide. We see very quickly after people want to become like a phlebotomist six months after their training. They want to become a medical assistant, PCT, level up to a hospital. A lot of them want to do travel and especially during the pandemic, they're hearing from all their friends about, you know, travel CNA makes so much, you know, I'm excited to get trained because I want to do this travel position. We see also a lot of people who are about to start their nursing school, um, either LVN or RN, and then they want to get that hands-on experience. They want to um, get started and get their foot in the door before they start getting, their, getting trained as an LVN or RN. Um, but even just the career advancement part, I mean, people love caring for others, or at least the ones that we work with. We've heard countless stories of um, students who are talking about how they took care of their grandmother when they were 17, and their grandmother had dementia or Alzheimer's, and they wanted to be able to do the same thing for their community. And so, people are coming in really informed. They, I mean, either have like a parent or a sister or a friend who's become a CNA. They know what it's like. They know they want to do it. Um, People who haven't heard about it, they they need to know what that is before they make this commitment because it is a really hard job. Um, But I mean, people see that there is mobility. They see that um, there is wages are starting to increase. And I think all of that is really attractive.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So you're saying for the most part, um, they do. It's also interesting that you actually ask this question head on because you're right. If if, uh, if um if I'm hiring a company to help me get CNAs and help them get trained, then I'm paying for their training. I wanna know that they know what they're getting themselves into so mm-hmm. that they actually start to stay and they don't say, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that I'm gonna be on my feet for many hours in a row. I didn't realize I'm gonna be you know, dragging things through the hallway and all these responsibilities and and everything else that goes on in all nursing homes for the most part. That's um, very, very fascinating. But I, I always had this question and I think, what, um, I think what you said is 100% true. It has to start, someone says, I wanna go into healthcare. Um, someone who's makes the same, I mean, someone who, everyone has something that they like to naturally do, in, at least in a general sense. Some people would love to sit in front of a computer and just do stuff, okay. you know, technology, and those people are probably not the same people who wanna be CNAs. <laughs> or nurses, or doctors for that matter, or a lot of other things, or mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, if someone's becoming a CNA, that means that they deeply care about, they really want to help other people, hands-on. It's yeah, so and think about
0: all the home health aides and the unlicensed caregivers who are doing a lot of the very similar work that a CNA would do, and they just get paid, you know, 2 to $3 less an hour. They are looking to get their CNA for that mobility and that pay bump.
1: Yeah. At the same time, the amount of people that schedule interviews to come to a nursing home and don't show up. The amount of people who come and they're hired and they fill out all the paperwork and they don't show up to orientation or they leave after a week or two weeks. Mm-hmm. At the same pool, this is not your fault. Maybe not completely your fault. <laughs> um, no, I
0: mean, you yeah, see that all no, the time. I mean, it's just
1: repetitive. So um, okay. Yeah. I mean, they want they obviously they want to give to other people they also want to provide for their families and they needed to go to the place that's going to pay them the amount that's necessary but if someone's coming in in a clear path and it's not just about the rates let me flip the question if uh, what is um two things what is important to a cna when they're looking for a job from a facility standpoint What could a facility do to make a attract that CNA to come and work for them and to get a longer term commitment that they're going to want to work for them and stay and grow with them?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we think about every day and I like to break down the problem into three different stages almost so first would be just like how you get those initial applications and most CNAs are going to be looking for some bar of pay and then distance from wherever their home is or maybe distance from they need to drop their kids off or something like that just like a convenient location so those Mm -hmm. those are always going to be the most important and and pay especially you're going to see is as the most number one thing for Um, CNA is trying to pick a role or really anyone trying to pick a role in in healthcare where it is so competitive. And so that's why you see travel nursing is is picking up so much demand. You see all these Facebook groups where it's literally just like, you know, 25 an hour. And then you have like 40 comments of people saying, send me more info because that's all they care about. Um, So that's definitely true. CNAs just have so much optionality in the market that they are willing to leave their facility for an extra 25, 50 cents an hour more Um, distance, I would say, is becoming more important, especially like gas prices are going up. No one wants to travel 30 minutes each way for a 25 cents an hour increase when they could work somewhere that's like five minutes away and is a lot closer. It doesn't cost cost them as much in gas money. Um, And then I think after that, when it gets to the actual like interviewing and, and job offer stage, I think speed really matters a lot. Um, you see people are, are really um, trying to care for themselves and their families. They're trying to work as soon as possible. And so we have heard our employers that are, are really fast about responding. You know, they whatever go to Indeed and they look at people who have updated their resume in the last like day, they contact them immediately. And then that person who's actively looking is now able to get a job offer in a day or two. I mean, that, that makes a huge difference. But even if you do all of those things, like you still might end up having a ton of turnover just within the first 30 days. I mean, at this point, nursing homes aren't even recording the turnover um, because just so many people like show up or, or don't even show up to orientation or if they show up to orientation, they might not show up in day one or stick out through the first week. And I think that's when you see more of the, the culture coming in. People want to see, you know, is this facility... Um, filled with workers who are, are really like depressed and, and who are overworked and understaffed and, and people can really get that vibe early in when they are starting to actually work. Do they feel like they had a good orientation or do they feel like they're kind of thrown to the wolves and have to figure out everything themselves, especially for a new trainee that can be really overwhelming um, versus some of our best facilities that we work with set up someone with like a mentor who's more experienced they set a clear ladder of you know here are what here's what your next year is going to look like the first six months you're going to have this mentor who's going to teach you how to do these things after your six months you know you can either um, become a mentor yourself you can take more of a senior lead for this shift or you can even go back to school and become a medication aide. i mean those are things that people really care about Otherwise, I mean, yeah, staffing ratios are important, too. People want to feel like they are delivering good work to the people that they're serving. People, like, really, really deeply care about their patients and the residents. And so they want to feel like their coworkers are not cutting corners, that they don't have to cut corners themselves because they're serving, you know, 15 people. Um, I mean, all of that. Yeah, basically, it all matters, I would say, in order of importance. It's, it's pay, then distance, and then um, more of, like, the cultural things that you see.
1: Very, very fascinating. Very, very complete answer. Thank you. I mean, I think that's really fantastic because I sit down with a, I sit down with clients all the time and say, we're doing our onboarding calls. And I will ask them, why should somebody work for you versus the nursing home down the block? And I can't tell you how many times, you know, the they draw a blank. Like, well, we have a good culture. We, we pay good. I'm like, okay, so does that place. And they also pay yeah. well. They also... <laughs> have a good culture, and, and it many times the boys don't have the culture, and, they, and everyone thinks that their culture, everyone at least claims that their culture is better, some people genuinely believe that way, at some places it's true, but I completely agree with what you said, is that that's not going to cut it, first of all, you can't sell that in your ads in person, it doesn't matter how you're selling the job, you can't, you just, because you know, everyone's going to say that that's something you have to see and experience in order for it to be meaningful, and if that's the only thing you have to sell, even if it's true, you're never gonna get the first base because how are they supposed to know that? So the first thing, yeah, like you said, you know, the wages have to be competitive, at, at the very least competitive, if not higher, and um, the location, and that's where it kicks in. I think the other thing is that, yeah, it's really, everyone calls it the revolving door. You found know, that you work so hard, you pay so much money, time, resources to get people in the door, then once they're finally there, they, like I said, you know, they, if they show up to orientation, if they stay for a week. But it seems like uh, you alluded to this, but I think it's true that after a certain point, if they're in, not that they're in forever, you always have to work on retention. But if you can get past that first month or two months, however long that period is, then they already know what this is and they're comfortable with it. it that means they feel like they're getting compensated fairly. They feel like, you know, the distance, the, you know, the, all the technical things that works out with their with their life. Um, and they are comfortable with the people that they're working with, with the level of care that they're providing. Um, and they feel like there's room for advancement. People actually care about them. They're not just thrown to the wolves. So then, you know, so then you have a chance of actually holding on to this person for a little bit longer. And you have to be open and willing to uh, give them the next step, even if it means losing them as an employee. Because that's the only way that you have to really care about them. Like, you can't fake that, um, you know, because if, if the next step means going to nursing school and now they will no longer work for you, you have to allow them to do it. Like, you have to genuinely care about them um, in order for that to happen. I think one of the challenges, though, that operators, that administrators, whatever it is, you know, people running nursing homes are feeling, are experiencing, is that it's kind of a circular problem. Because you can't, you don't want to throw them to the wolves because you want to give them a mentor and you want to do everything that you described. Those things are great in theory. But right now, today, on their first shift, we, we don't have enough CNAs. And, and their workload is 13 patients. And really should be 6 or 8 or 10. And it really is too much. And the person was just trained. And we just paid for that training. And the way the number is going to go down is by getting more people on. But you can't get more people on. Because, um, you know, because you're ready, you're ready short-staffed, staff and the orientation has to be done much quicker because the same type of reasons, you know, the, the urgency to get people on the board uh, on board. So it's very difficult to get out of that flywheel, out of that, you know, out of that, um, you know, yeah, that flywheel, getting out of the trap. -hmm. What would you say someone had to deal with that? I don't, you don't have to have an answer to this. I'm just, uh, (laughs) you know, this is what actually happens. I'm sure you see this.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, we we hear it all the time from our employers, and and most of them end up trying to solve it by hiring staffing agencies. Of course, the bane of every nursing home's existence. And I mean, yeah, for for a lot of nursing homes, they have found a lot of success doing that because you can have on demand, you know, these two or three people that can actually like plug the holes so you can spend time and actually like take the time to hire and invest a lot in hiring. But yeah, that can be really expensive. We hear from networks that they're spending millions, tens of millions of dollars a month at the peak of COVID in in January and having to eat that cost can be really difficult. And that's why I mean, I'm a big fan of um, sponsoring training or setting up um, a, a training program themselves. I think it's hugely beneficial to be able to train a whole cohort together so that you have like 10 or 15 people starting at the same time. And so, yes, they might not have a mentor, but they have that peer mentorship where they're able to learn from each other. And you also are able to relieve the full strain in the system through one block of people that are, are starting work at the same time. I think that's really great. I think there are a couple different ways to do that. One is starting your own CNA program, which comes with its own challenges, but the benefits as well. And then also hiring directly out of training programs, whether that means sponsoring people um, or, you know, even just like building relationships with those schools. I mean, we've heard of facilities that have just like clean sweeped an entire class of of, um, like a CNA program has 20 people graduating, they hired like 18 out of 20. And like immediately that solves their hiring problem, right? And so, I mean, yeah, people have to be creative about where they hire from.
1: Okay, so interesting. yeah, so it is true that agency is a very slippery slope, especially for the one yeah. who's responsible for scheduling and staffing because if it becomes too easy to fill those holes, they don't they're they're not paying for it, and their paycheck is staying the same. Um, then it's it's true. It can slow things down a little bit, but if if you have the proper orientation process already in place and and you know exactly what you're doing, the only issue is that you don't have the bandwidth to do it that can be a good band-aid if it's really controlled. Yeah, um, a real
0: band-aid, not just like a crutch.
1: Right, right, exactly. Otherwise it does become a crutch and that crutch can bring down a whole facility because mm-hmm. the amount of money that you lose, you know, the, the margins are, many times margins are slim enough as it is. Um, and contrary to, you know, what people on the, th- on the street may think, many times the margins are much, much slimmer. Um, mm-hmm and then they really are then taking agency costs and throwing it in there could really could really do them in um but your other point and also you know everyone tries to connect with uh training programs and they're not always available in every location but even if they are what does it take for a training program to want to partner with a with a you know with a particular facility because that would be amazing i could think of so many people that they can get 18 cnas from a program That could, you know, they'll save hundreds of thousands of dollars in the first month. Um, But besides for that, the care, just the stress level in the facility, I mean, it's a game changer. So, so I guess, what does it take for a facility to be um, wanted by such a program, other than asking to be connected?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, we're starting to see a change in the industry where people are being more creative about reaching out to schools, which I think is great. I think it's a very natural next step on you want to invest in creating new supply of CNAs so that the whole system, um, you aren't just like reaching out to the same people in the revolving door over and over. You're actually like introducing new people who can help ease the root problem. Um, I mean, we we see a, a big range of approaches um, from facilities. We see some that just like reach out and are saying, "Hey, you know, can you drop off a flyer? Can you you know let your students know that we have job offers?" The problem is like every other nursing home is doing that as well. Right. And so to stand out, I mean, you have to do a couple of things. I mean, one, like the golden thing to do is be a clinical site for a nurse, uh, for a CNA training class. That would be super ideal because you're already in touch with these students before they're even up on the job market. They're already working at your facility. They get a chance to see what the facility is like, and so. I mean, you see most of the students end up going to work at that clinical facility after they graduate, if they don't have something lined up already. Um, Also, because like they're used to going in that location, the location is close by. All of that helps a lot. Um, But I mean, for people who don't offer clinicals, other things you can offer to sponsor students who um, can't afford to pay. That is a very popular request from schools they're like looking for employers to do that not every employer is willing to do that because it does take you know some risk and some operational coordination between like the, the recruiter and the hr people over at the nursing home with the actual like program director of the school and if you have like your hr person leave then you know you have to set up that program again um but other things we see creative things like um one of our schools has a graduation ceremony and always reaches out to nursing homes who can sponsor the graduation ceremony. It's probably like 250 bucks, like pay for pizza, pay for you know a nice venue to have the graduation ceremony at. But I mean, huge exposure to those students. Um, other things we see are people trying to yeah buy buy pizza for our students, um, just like during class. Some schools like that, some schools don't really because they want to just focus on class time. Um, but I mean, yeah, a lot of other approaches work too. Interesting.
1: So to be a clinical site though, you have, you know, you cannot have, you have to have good, um, you know, uh, you have to have good survey results. Um, because if I just remember in one of the buildings where we were managing, we had our own CNA training program before COVID, it goes back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but then we had one deficiency, I forget what level it was, but it was, Enough to say that, okay, we had to cancel that program in the middle. That's it. We can't do it anymore. So not every facility is going to qualify. And even if they had a resurvey and they cleared whatever it was, you know, something that could take many months until they're officially, you know, cleaned of whatever whatever it is that happened there. But um, a practical question, I would think that CNA programs would be inundated by nursing homes that are like dying to pay for anything, um, you know, well, pizza, we'll put a paper on their chairs, we'll redo your ceiling, we'll put our logo <laughs> anywhere you'll put it. Is that not the case?
0: I mean, we see most facilities typically stop at the, the flyer and buy pizza mark. Very few facilities go beyond that.
1: Interesting. So this is a very real opportunity. So if anyone's struggling with staffing <laughs> the facilities and listening to this episode, like this is a very real opportunity here where you have the ability to, let's say to sponsor a student, like that's uh, very basic. And instead of creating the program, managing the program, yes, there's a risk, but there's a risk to doing nothing too. And that's very, very expensive. So if you, if you sponsor five students and three of them work out, you've made your money back in one month, especially if you have agency, you can make it back in a week. Like it's, it's a very, um, it seems like a very, and you're not finding the CNAs, you're not convincing them to become CNAs. You're not uh, telling them to move to your area. Like they're here. They want to be a CNA. They want to work. You're the one who helped them out. Um, that that's extremely valuable becoming a clinical site if it's possible. who wouldn't want to do that? Even just while they're there, a little bit of extra help is always Mm -hmm. uh, very helpful.
0: We also see a lot of schools who struggle to find clinical sites. It really depends on the location. Um, Yeah, you don't have to be like a five-star facility in order to become a clinical site. Sometimes you have a new school that's just starting up and they're looking for a clinical site Mm -hmm. or one's trying to switch over because they're expanding their program. I mean, opportunities there if you start to build that relationship with local school leaders.
1: So the main thing is to figure out how you can help them. Here we so okay. Let's talk about Dreambound. So, what what exactly does Dreambound do um, to address this problem?
0: Yeah, I mean, a couple different things. One, we just want to make it really easy for people to sign up for classes, not just CNA, but CNAs are big focus. Um, we see that a lot of these schools are, are pretty outdated. A lot of them don't have online registration or websites or posts like their class dates on their website. And so we get all that information, make a common application. So a student just needs to fill out an application once and then they can get started with any school that we're partnered with. Um, and at the same time, if they are, If they can't afford to pay and they're willing to work at an employer, we help employers plug into all the different schools in a given city so that they can sponsor people. So an employer can see, you know, here are 20 people who are currently looking to get their class sponsored. Let me interview them. Let me screen them, see who might be a good fit. If I want to sponsor any of these, I'm able to do that as an employer and then, you know, start creating a pipeline. We also see um, employers upskill their existing staff that way as well. Um, I think that's another really great creative source of talent. A lot of success in upskilling housekeepers, dishwashers, um, other roles that are unlicensed to become CNAs. A lot of these people are already working at the facility. You know, they know what it's like to be a CNA to work at that specific facility. And so it's a no-brainer to try and upskill them too. Um, and then in exchange, those people feel really invested in. They want to stick around because they've already stuck around for six months um, or whatever, how, how long they've been at the facility. And I mean, it's a win-win for everyone.
1: Could the platform facilitate training within a facility um, if there isn't the training already there? Like, is it just connecting training programs with employees or does it actually help or does the company, I guess, help uh, setting these things up as well?
0: We don't do that right now. It's definitely something I'd love to do in, in the future, especially just like you know, if a facility already has a program up and running, we would love to just like send them people who are looking to get started with training that's free. I mean, that'd be great.
1: Got it. Got it. Because what you said now about upskilling people, that makes a lot of sense because I could say just from what we're doing at Quality Recruit when we're helping our nursing home clients recruit. So for housekeeping positions, for dietary positions, uh Mm -hmm. laundry aids we get we get tons of applicants because they don't need to be certified or anything um tons of no call no shows it's a separate conversation Uh, but there's people to work with um if we can get those people in the door in other words if you're going to train your current cnas and dietary aids that they're easy to replace um easier to replace but to, to get the cnas that's that's a little bit more difficult um very very fascinating um, anything else you would tell? I want specifically for specifically for nursing homes that are looking to attract uh, CNAs. Uh, anything else you would like to tell them before we wrap up today?
0: I mean, yeah, I, it, it's rough out there. So, you know, you got to be creative. You got to move fast. And uh, I mean, working with a bunch of different schools in an area can be really tough, but it's really rewarding. We're trying to make it easier at DreamBound so you don't have to manage as an HR representative like, you know, 20 different relationships with schools. You just have to manage their one on DreamBound through the platform. And so, um, you know, uh, we want, we're trying to create a, a new supply of healthcare workers to make healthcare for patients better, make facilities lives easier and make the workers lives easier as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's a phenomenal idea and I'm happy that you're doing what you're doing um is it are you in certain locations
0: uh we have schools all over the country I, our biggest markets are definitely texas california um arizona colorado
1: i was waiting for you to say massachusetts new york
0: we do have a school in massachusetts and new york yeah we we work with over 150 schools around the country
1: got it if there's a school that's not uh currently on the platform what does it take for them to get on the platform
0: Yeah, they just need to go to dreambound.com, sign up as a school and they can start getting students immediately.
1: Got it. So if someone's I'm I'm playing this out, because I think uh, like a nursing home person. Um, But if someone I have my facility, I live in Massachusetts, so that's where I'm thinking. Um, But let's say in Boston, I have a facility and I know that there's a training program here as well. But I know there must be many other training programs. Um, So I can reach out to them directly. It would be convenient if i could press a button and your platform would already be connected with all the schools in my area that would be very nice for me for sure probably nice for them too because they'll be connected with places um to put cna's okay i guess i guess they can go to to they can go to what is it dreambound.com
0: <laughs> exactly yeah i mean we are seeing off ad hoc relationships with some schools work with some employers, but when you start working with multiple employers or multiple schools, that's where it gets crazy out of hand. And that's where we're trying to provide value, and make that easier for everyone. Oh, that's what
1: to mean you're saying that if you want to, right, if you want to manage that relationship offline, so to speak, you know, that can work. That can work to some extent, I think the biggest besides for the fact that you dropped a lot of very valuable practical tips for nursing home folks to be able to attract and routine CNAs, which is the title of this conversation. But besides for that, uh, you're bringing out something encouraging, um, is that there are plenty of people that want to become CNAs and are un- unable to, and would be very happy to have a partnership with a healthcare provider, a nursing home, um, that will help them you know, get from where they are to where they need to be. My only question is, what is the relationship between the number? And I doubt that you have this number or if anybody has this number, but what is the relationship between the number of people who are interested in becoming CNAs to the number of CNAs that are running out of nursing homes?
0: That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, we see for people who are leaving a nursing home about, I wanna say 70% go work at a different facility and then maybe 30% bounce between different industries. Maybe they're going back to their Amazon job um, or whatever have you outside the industry. A lot of them still work like part-time or PRN as a CNA. So I would say they don't leave the industry altogether. It might be their second job, Um, but yeah, uh, we, we would love to be more people coming in than leaving. Right now that's not the case because CNA class is expensive, but that's something hopefully we can fix
1: but here's the question um i know we're a little bit beyond our end time but if you're okay i just want to continue to draw um if we we were to completely remove the paying obstacle for potential cnas and completely remove all the technical issues of finding a class and finding a job all you got to do is click this button basically and we will pay for your training and get you a job um you know somewhere near you because there are nursing homes everywhere Wherever there are people, in this country at least, there are nursing homes. And by the way, there are places where there are no people, still are nursing homes. And I don't know how that works, but we have clients like that. Really (laughs) rural areas that they have a nursing home too. Um, So if that was to be the case, so you believe that there is, I mean, you know, I guess, because this is what you do, that there is a significant number of, a very significant number of people um this is what i'm i don't know if there's a question or a comment but what i'm hearing is that it's not as bleak as it looks like when you're dealing with nursing home recruitment or cna recruitment all day is that there are a lot of people even without quantifying them who if you remove these barriers they would be very interested um are you doing um how you uh, are you bringing people into these nursing programs as well or are you just connecting and I guess the question is, how do, how do we reach, uh, there's a number to how many people are in this bucket of they're entering the workforce, they you know graduated high school, or they're kind of in between jobs, or, they, or they're, they're busy with the family, now they want to return to the workforce. Um, and they would love to become a nurse, a CNA, and begin their healthcare journey. And they have these obstacles, I guess the question is, how do we get more people into the funnel so that they actually end up um, going along this path and you know solving this problem?
0: Mm. I mean, I think one that will definitely help is as the industry has more people enter and then understaffing becomes less of an issue then some of the stigma around, you know, this is a really tough job, I'm overworked, I have to work so much overtime starts to go away. And it's more about, you know, taking care of patients who are now having like a, a really great experience that don't have these like violations of, of uh, policies that um, people are, you know, kind of horrified to see, like the reputation of the whole industry improves. Um, and, and we're starting to see this in some of the cities where we're biggest in, like we, we have like fully staffed some of our employers because they have hired people who that they sponsored and now they don't have staffing problems anymore and we're starting to even see like in the whole city as a whole um like now there are enough CNAs such that hiring becomes less of a problem compared to some of the other cities where we're just entering and then you know that's the, you know the number one problem for nursing homes
1: oh uh, so that's very interesting so a city that um first are you comfortable sharing you don't have to a particular city where <laughs> where the staffing is not really such an issue and Houston's
0: definitely a big one I mean you see yeah I mean people are are fully staffed in many facilities uh which is crazy
1: (laughs) crazy. that's not a little town um that's very interesting um so you're saying potentially that if you connect See, that's the thing the the, the 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 most the most effective things are sometimes very simple um so basically what the company is doing is connecting um schools with employers right and this is the um employers are usually just trying to pull cnas from other buildings right the typical recruitment is you're posting the job someone's if someone's a cna they're working most of them are working already as a cna they're going to either try you out or do you as a second job or a part-time job or whatever. And you're forever fighting with the facility down the block, raising your rates to levels that you cannot afford or sustain, hoping the government's going to bail us out, which do not hold your breath because it probably won't happen. Um, at the end of the day, if there's not enough money to sustain the business, the whole nursing home can't close down and many of them have.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you're saying this so simple solution. This is not a theory. It's something that you've actually done is just by connecting the schools with the employers in a very effective seamless way that itself you've fully staffed um some of those clients which is which is amazing okay uh, i find this very fascinating i appreciate you sharing what you're doing here on the podcast um uh, we're definitely going to share this you know with, with our listenership um you can look out for that at the nursing home podcast uh dot com at really really um you know, when you see an innovation, you're like, how come I didn't think of it? Like this is, so <laughs> simple. Um, this is a very simple concept, um, but it really makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, def- I definitely have to check out your website a little bit better and see if it makes sense for some of our clients to implement this. Um, amazing. Thank you very much for, for sharing that with us. Um, yeah,
0: thank you for having me on.
1: I'm just trying to think if we have if if I know people who have facilities are really struggling with staffing in particular areas, they want you to focus on getting set up in these areas. Is it is it just like grassroots effort that if people discover it is what it is, or can they work with you directly to try to create a network within Dreambound if it doesn't already exist?
0: I mean, yeah, we, we can do all the above. I mean, there are definitely certain uh, I mean, we're getting a lot of demand, I would say. so. When we get more demand, we're prioritizing more than others. Um, but, you know, we, we want to scale up to serve the whole country and millions of people. Amazing.
1: Amazing. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure meeting you and discussing this today. Um, keep it doing what you're
0: doing. Thank you. Likewise.
1: Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know. What an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening, and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.